This podcast is made possible by the generosity of supporting members. Please visit dharmaocean.org to learn more about becoming a supporting member. You are listening to the Dharma Ocean Podcast. In the second part of this talk on the dark knowledge of the body, Reggie says that in the practicing lineage we learn how to rest with the soma and wait. What unfolds is a process of vertical transformation that fundamentally changes our existential state of being. This talk was given at the 2016 The Body Loves Retreat, held at the Blazing Mountain Retreat Center in Crestone, Colorado. To find out about the upcoming The Body Loves Retreat, led by Caroline Fole, please visit dharmaocean.org. So when we talk about the practicing lineage, which is it's drubgu in Tibetan, it's, it's this lineage, um, it's a very different approach from what we have heard about. It is true that in Buddhism in general, in the West and in Asia, the body is mentioned and sometimes it's used a little bit. But the idea of shifting our fundamental allegiance to the kind of knowledge that arises in our soma is rarely found. We're not talking here about including the body in our meditation practice. We're talking about setting aside, completely setting aside all of the agendas, all of the uh, conscious intentions, all of the techniques, all of the complex uh, meditation practices, setting them aside and doing one thing and one thing only, which is to enter into the dark knowledge of the body and wait, and wait, and wait. And at a certain point, that's all you do, is wait. And you begin to realize that while you're waiting, something is happening. It's like, feeling the ground tremble under you, or a sudden eclipse of the sun, and everything goes dark, and there are just filaments of light around the edges of the trees and the mountains. Something that is beyond thought, it's beyond thinking, it's beyond judgment, begins to happen. You begin to realize it's happening. And you are not doing it at all in any shape, way, or form. And then we practice some more, and then we wait some more, and then we enter deeper into the dark knowledge. And we begin to discover there's a certain kind of transformation that's occurring in us. In the uh, practice of Buddhism, there are two kinds of transformations that are talked about. One of them is horizontal transformation. 
you're still living in this world and your understanding is getting bigger. You go on the internet a lot, you Google stuff, find out about Timbuktu. What is the history of Timbuktu? You know, you, you can, the amount of knowledge you can accumulate is unbelievable and you become, we can become very sophisticated, very informed. Um, we can, you know, our view of reality, our map can become so highly tuned that people come and, you know, they love us and they study with us and they want to hear about our map. That's horizontal transformation. Nothing fundamentally changes. I mean, we do accumulate more information, more knowledge, more sophistication, um, but nothing fundamentally changes in us or the world. We still live in basically the same world. But then the other kind of transformation, what happens when you enter the dark knowledge is what's called vertical transformation. And that is the transformation in your existential state of being. Your existential state of being changes. And what that means is you, we, you know, we find ourselves increasingly in a world that we do not know. We find ourselves in a world that we do not recognize and we do not understand. And it's definitely not the world that we knew when we went to sleep last night. It's a different world. And we also begin to discover in ourselves, we begin to uh, discover that we are different in very fundamental ways. And this comes through not meditating in the usual way. In the beginning, this is very anxiety-producing. Um, and I know a lot of you here are very familiar with that, the anxiety of this lineage. It's anxiety-producing. Uh, it instills fear and uncertainty and sometimes terror. And once in a while we walk in this shrine room and we feel like we're in the maw of some gigantic monster that is just chewing on us, chewing us up. feels like that. I've, I've been there, done that many times in this shrine room. That's the initiatory ordeal. If you read any of the old, old books in Coptic or ancient Greek and you read about the, the mysteries or the initiatory uh, journey that people made, they will talk to you about how the journey of initiation that happens, you feel like you're losing everything. And you're caught between a rock and a hard place because in the ancient cultures it was understood without the initiation you would never actually be introduced to what's really going on here and you would never be introduced to who you are. But on the other hand the journey to do it is truly formidable and truly terrifying. 
really, really terrifying. A friend of mine who's um, been involved in the uh, initiatory process in um, Africa of, of his people told me that uh, 50 go out and 45 come back and five don't make it. They die, literally die. In the Tibetan tradition, um, if you weren't well trained, you weren't prepared, and you weren't well mentored, you know, you could lose it. And there are many stories. What I'm getting to is, you know, what we're talking about here is not a small thing. What is being, what was offered to me and what is being offered to you, it's not a small thing. Yes, you know, there is a, um, an opportunity of uh, not one lifetime, but many lifetimes. When I sat in front of Chogyam Trungpa, I truly wondered, how can this be happening to me? Because at that point I'd spent, you know, 28 years looking, looking, looking everywhere, traveling to India, traveling to Japan, living in places, trying to find an actual living initiatory tradition. And I came up empty-handed. And then I was sitting in front of him. And, you know, when you are in that kind of situation, you see both sides of it. I mean, on the one hand, it was like, this is what I've always been looking for. And on the other hand, this is my biggest fear, that I'm going to be asked to open to myself in a way, to open to life, to open to the situation in a way that I've spent my whole entire life trying not to open to. And, you know, his, I mean, you know, I'm doing this, right? I'm doing this thing with Caroline and with all of you. But there is no way, given who I was then, this was, in my mind, anybody's mind, as in even the most remote possibility on planet Earth that I would ever be able to do this. I was so gone and so checked out. I was so paranoid. I was like the worst of the worst. You know, not a bad person, but just like completely messed up. And, but there was one person who realized that that wasn't the end of the story, and that was Chogyam Trungpa. Being with him, um, it was really hard. It was really terrifying on a daily basis. And being in his lineage and being in his community, I mean, it was torture for me. Now, I know there are people running around who don't say that, but I also know a lot of people who do say that, <laughs> so I wasn't the only one. <laughs> But, you know, what we're talking about here is we're being offered the gift of a depth of life that has been conceived of millennia ago, but that none of us, I mean, none of us have any idea. We don't have an idea, but we have a felt sense that there's something further in our life, something much, much vaster, much, much more open, much more free, 
And it's a possibility. It's a, if we can stick with it, it's a likely possibility that we can find it. To download more of Reggie's teachings, find out about upcoming retreats, and to explore a variety of audio listening guides to assist you on your spiritual journey, please visit dharmaocean.org. Our music is by Jeff Beale and Nawang Ketchog from the album Tibet, Cry of the Snow Lion.